correct. Witness starts with an Amish boy in like a train bathroom witnessing a murder, right? And yes. then he has to like, yes. So I've seen, I've definitely seen Witness. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't think I've seen the other one because I'm going curse the alley in like an apron. No, I don't think I've seen. This. It's true. It totally happened. It totally. Welcome happened. to Game of Owns. We're a classic film podcast brought to you in part by the people who used to make Game of Owns, the Game of Thrones podcast. <laughs> And Kat Taylor's here, who is a top authority on all John Hughes films. How are you, Kat? I'm good, thank you. I'm, uh, you know, currently in my pretty in pink dress, you know, on a Sunday, right. the, the way that you do, and yes. not at all pink color track pants, if that's what you're thinking. <laughs> well, that's good. Yep. We're all over here stateside drinking coffee, quote unquote. Right, Zach? Coffee wine. Listen, no, I, before we recorded, I went to my kitchen and I was like, I hope that there's uh, water. And, the, you know, the purifier that stays in the refrigerator that's like the tank mm-hmm. that we yeah. sometimes switch on to get water out of. There was no water, but there was like an entire giant thing of coffee made. And so I'm just drinking coffee out of a wine decanter with nothing added to it. So good morning, everyone. It's Sunday. You're listening to this on Monday. <laughs> and, and Kat's back. Kat, it has been a little while since we spoke to you. Certainly true. I have one question before we start, though. I was listening to the kind of trailer for me coming on again on last week's episode. Who was it who was doing the cat sound? Because I was really impressed. Yeah, I know, right? I didn't do that at all. I was like, my cats just sound really upset. I think it was you, Eric. I I think it may have been me. Um, I think I edited out my cat sound because it was terrible. (laughs) I left that one in. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) see that? Sounds like a cat. Mine is like, doesn't sound like anything. Those two things sounded exactly the same. I want to let yeah, you know that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yours was pretty good. <laughs> this explains why, Zach, your cat was trying to jump up onto the computer, because he heard Eric. <laughs> yeah, my cat's somewhere around here. <laughs> so I see we're going for a really highbrow conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'm really glad that you guys are joining us this Monday, because Kat um, does very important things with her life that have things to do with this podcast. We've had her on the show to talk to you before about all of that. And now we have her on again, which is a great time to have you, because there's a lot of things happening with the new season. And, you know, we ended season three. I don't want to say quite recently. I'd like to say quite recently, but I look at I look how far we're into the next book in our off season, and I'm thinking, well, holy Not crap! That that, yeah, that was ages ago. Like, how are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's different for us. I mean, I won't speak for all the departments because I, you know, obviously there are departments that work on the show for longer than the production crew do because editorial, you know, works on it basically throughout the entire year. But um, we're on a slightly different schedule from everybody else because to us. Our Game of Thrones year kind of ends in like November, December time. Right. And then, you know, when they start screening them in March and April, it's like a reminder of the year before. It's like a recap of your life for six months. <laughs> so it's a little different for us because by the time it ends, we're already doing the next season. So the transition is not a 10 month wait for us. It's we're already knee deep in it. So, um, yeah, we're, we're knee deep in it basically and have been for a while but it's one thing that's great actually i will say is we were back and working on the show when sort of the last few episodes came out so to be able to watch the reactions and read the press sort of together 
that was really cool because you kind of were able to go, okay, we did an okay job. People are happy I'm, or I'm really pic- unhappy with us. <laughs> I'm picturing like a um, a scene from like the animated Peter Pan where Wendy Lady is reading to all the Lost Boys and like you're just sitting around a campfire reading reactions. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I would. Uh, yes, um, that is how it is. Uh, <laughs> there's one basically in a long white dress and reads us stories it's lovely no it's a little more digital than that we we uh (laughs) we have a lot of uh emails flying around have you seen this one or Mm. did you see this and um some of the reaction videos were kind of amazing (laughs) i can imagine your subject lines in your inbox like check out this great rw reaction video a plus and it's funny too because a lot of my friends or you know friends i have on facebook and stuff would be like have you seen this one have you seen this one (laughs) and you're like yes this is what i get paid to do i have to watch all of these reaction videos i'm not gonna lie i think i've done well in the employment sphere (laughs) you believe the last time we talked to you on the show was episode 89 and we're in the 130s right now no no (laughs) well the thing is kat after the uh after the events of the red wedding which hadn't happened when we last spoke to you. Uh, the guys and I and Selena were all afraid that we'd be invited to a wedding. Um, and so we had to do as many podcast episodes as we could before that happened because we can no longer trust the sanctity of marriage for saving lives. Well, I think right. that's nice, you know, generally. Right. <laughs> well, I've been doing interviews with a lot of people this year for my project. Uh, and one of the things that was amazing was that I managed to sit down. I was on the phone with David, who's actually in California at the moment. Um, and we were on the phone for about an hour just talking about how he wanted to approach the Red Wedding and his thoughts on it and the performances. And with Michelle, who is just such a spectacular person, she's so amazing and we miss her so much, you know, on the show. But the way that she thought about it and the way that she approached it was just so incredible. And talking to her about what it meant to be a part of the show was just a really amazing thing to be able to do. Mm-hmm. So really looking forward to uh, to people getting a chance to see all of that. Yeah, that's <laughs> cool. It sounds like you're on the, the, the interview wagon. It seems, you know, just anywhere where I can read about people reflecting on a show such as this, um, is really nice because it means a lot to a lot of people and it's good to know and this is one of the things that was apparent really early on is that you know with the Game of Thrones cast the crew all of them care so deeply about it and they're all in they really are and I mean I think one of the things that speaks so highly to the show is that even when people have left or are on a season where maybe their character doesn't appear you know they stay, still stay in touch and you know People still have really positive relationships and see each other all the time. It's not one of those things where, you know, people finish and then they're like, okay, bye. And then you never sort of (laughs) really come across them again. And I I think that really does speak to the fact that um, what David and Dan um, have created in this show is is really something quite special. So um, it'll be wonderful to see some people in the future, even if they're just dropping by for a visit. (laughs) But we'll see what happens Mm -hmm. there. Well, I have to say, there's another reason I can't wait for your your project uh, and some of these interviews to become live. And that's because just beforehand, when we were gathering the notes, I did a Google search for Cat Taylor, David Nutter. And of course, the first two results are YouTube videos of Game of Thrones characters as cats. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I kind of like the idea that there's a cat video out there. That's pretty there awesome. There are multiple cat videos. Uh, well, I mean, I can, I can actually, I'm sort of, I'm now allowed to say that um, the project itself is, I'm sure some of you, or I hope many of you, had um, Brian Cogman's amazing Inside Game of Thrones book when it came out. 
And um, I'm going to be working on a behind the scenes version, um, which is kind of more looking at how things are built and costumes and weapons and interviews and things like that. Well, I'm glad we can actually talk about that now. Yeah. <laughs> I know you were really good. You didn't tell anyone. I'm very <laughs> impressed. <laughs> well, I've been meaning. Yeah. Well, we talked about it months ago, but I've been meaning to ask you more recently if I could discuss maybe getting a spot on my coffee table filled up like possibly <laughs> whenever we get this book going that's the perfect thing i think like for me to have around in my sitting area i'm sure we could work something out <laughs> <laughs> at least you're not asking me for like a two-page spread which <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah um i'm working with an amazing editor at chronicle so um I'm really looking forward to that, and that will be covering season three and four. So um, if you have a little bit of a wait, it won't be until, I think, the end of 2014. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be covering two seasons. Yeah, I imagine as long as it covers a significant portion of four, it can't be published while four hasn't aired yet. So. so. Mm -hmm. No, we haven't even finished making it yet. Right. right. Well, that's no, that's cool. But it's cool that you're sourcing material. Obviously, this early you have to, but um, I can't wait to read it. Like, does it? I guess it's a little early for a title, but are there pictures? Are there? Of course, there are pictures. Yes. Yeah. Um, we have uh, obviously so lucky on the show. The incredible Helen Sloan, who's our stills photographer, does, and you know, she documents so much stuff, and the volume of work that she produces is just. In just insane, crazy. And it's an opportunity for us to show more of the photos that maybe don't get seen on websites and in articles and things like that. So um, we have a lot of really special behind the scenes moments too. So we're trying to get as many of those in as possible. The photographs here on the Making Game of Thrones blog, um, specifically for the Saying Goodbye post, I'm looking at the the band specifically, and that's just a great photograph to have in memory of, hey, we did this episode. Like, yeah. I love seeing stuff like this because doing projects, I understand, it's very rewarding, and it's even more rewarding that millions of people are getting to see it across the world. But, you know, at the end of the day, this is a scene out of someone's mind that was in a book, and now there's a great picture of it. And, you know, there's all these grown men that are acting in this scene because of it. And then I think about what the band actually does in the scene, and I'm pissed off at the same time. So <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, I mean, I think I, there are so many, if you ever, I don't, I, I, this is a weird one, but if for whatever reason any of your listeners are visiting the Game of Thrones offices, um, I can't imagine what that would be, but let's just assume it would happen. <laughs> I was going to say, where where are they? Secret location on an island shaped like a skull. You have to skate uh, to the island. We do have to skate to the island every morning. It's exhausting. But in the hallway, uh, there are a selection of photos and they are mostly of the crew doing their thing. Um, some of them are sort of of stunt people in action and stuff. But what's amazing is each one of them has been chosen to really capture a moment. And um, there's one that I really love, which is of one of our stunt performers and coordinators and our, our main sword master, C.C. Smith, who um, it's actually from season two. And he's riding towards uh, King's Landing and he's dressed as Renly's ghost. And it's yes. just a perfect action shot moment because he's yelling and the sword's in the air and, you know, the horse is in <laughs> full stride. And, um, yeah, no, I mean, there are some moments that are ca caught and really do depict the action and the feeling that we had at those moments. And it's wonderful to be able to look back on those and, and remind yourself of what it felt like. 
Unless it's the Red Wedding and it makes you want <laughs> <laughs> I hope there's plenty of wall space, I was going to say, for, for the upcoming moments. Because we know, even though certain interviews before Season 3 said, this is the season, it seems like all the reports from Season 4 are that it's going to be even bigger and even crazier. I will say, I... Um, Ooh, I have to be so careful. Don't slip. <laughs> Here's what I would say. I think one of the things about season three was that those people who knew the story and, and read the books knew what was coming. Um, and those people who hadn't had a sense of anticipation, they really did feel like, to me anyway, watching it, there felt like there was a buildup to, you knew something was coming. Like you knew there was a significant moment because the season had sort of been moving towards not a single moment, but definitely a transitional moment and um, it was so huge and the reaction to it was so huge and it really was such a shift in, traje- in trajectory for so many characters that it's hard when you think about season three to almost really remember the other things that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think for most people, you know, you, you pick out certain things that happen in each season, but with season three, I mean, it really is, when you talk about it, majority of people, they don't necessarily talk about Jamie having his hand am- amputated or, right. um, you know, the marriage of Tyrion and Sansa or, you know, the bear pit or any of these, like, really significant action sequences moments. Mm-hmm. It's all about kind of the end of the Stark dynasty. <laughs> Well, they're not all gone, but you know, certainly the, the it sure feels that way. <laughs> they're as good as. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say the numbers are perhaps not in their favor. They've thinned out some. <laughs> yeah. Um but with season four, you know, and again, have to be very careful here, it's more like everything is significant. Like everything that happens leads directly to something else. There's no one line that builds up it's it's kind of it's a very different thing it's got so much happening (laughs) in it it's kind of yeah it's an it's going to be an amazing season i i honestly cannot wait to see how it all comes together because even in the few weeks that we filmed because we're just about to start on week six um we've covered so much it's just been insane (laughs) yeah i mean i know we talked a little bit about the stark dynasty kind of dying off but Really, yeah, and and we've talked a little bit about this on other episodes, but really all three seasons so far have kind of left you with the Lannisters on top. So you're left to wonder a little bit, you know, what's going to happen to them moving forward because, you know, at some point you you feel like unless they're going to go on and they're going to, you know, win this game, it's just crazy that three seasons in a row now they're still at this, this top level. I do see what you're saying. But would you say that they're as strong now as they were in season one? Because I'm not sure, you know, I think there's shifts in, in, in how the power is balanced and there's shifts that even within the Lannister family that mean that it's perhaps less stable than it used to be. Mm. You know, I think without wanting to give too much away, I don't think in any of these stories, having read as far as I've read in the books and everything, any, any single family can be considered safe. <laughs> oh, definitely point. not. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there is, um, what does it say? Is the right word dissension among the ranks? It's just, you know, both Cersei and Tyrion are kind of angry with Tywin for, you know, 
doing what he did and, and, you know, arranging those marriages. But I think, you know, the reason they seem more powerful to me, they, they do a little bit more because they are all together and at the, at the capital, at King's Landing. Um, so even though the Queen of Thorns is there, um, and, and that, that scene at the end with her and, and, and Tywin talking sort of about their families was really important. I can see that'll probably play out even more. The fact that all the Lannisters are together and this whole season, we talked about this previously, Tywin was writing letters and stuff. It seems like he is the main, like, force for action, like causing things to happen. And not, not the least of which was the Red Wedding. Uh, without question yeah <laughs> so that's why it does seem that the lannisters are currently i'd say probably the most powerful family but the loose cannon that i don't like um is is the bastard of bolton here because <laughs> he he seems to have been given a little too much time alone in that room with with theon and i knew I don't eventually like we were going to get back yeah, to this. i don't like where that's going I'm just saying not not even He's... just for theon's sake but the, the <laughs> fact that the, the fact that even roose bolton wouldn't you know kind of uh monitor his son <laughs> I think that's an incredibly interesting family dynamic. I think Ramsay Bolton is, well, Ramsay Snow actually is a really interesting character in that he is psychotic. There's no question that he's really deeply unpleasant and quite malevolent as a person. But what's kind of interesting about it is it's slightly hypnotic, hmm. I think, when Iowan's performing, because there's no second guessing with him. It doesn't even cross his mind that he shouldn't be doing the stuff that he's doing. And it's so interesting to watch because often when you have a character who's involved in the sorts of things he's doing, they're quite conflicted or, you know, they question their motivation. He does not care. <laughs> like there's no, he just, he likes it, I think. And, you know, his power and his capacity to be so so ruthless, I think, will continue to be interesting for a while. <laughs> At least with Tywin, he has his reasons, this, that, the other thing. Ramsey's just kind of feeling. He's like, what do I feel like doing today? I'm going to do this. He's motivated by different things. Yeah. Basically, what I got out of that, though, is that you can expect more of this in next season, Eric, so I'm sorry. Well, put him in King's Landing, and then you've got a real kind of fight, I think. Seeing as how they're allies with the Lannisters, nothing big, I don't think, would go down. Unless he set, sets them on the uh, Tyrells. Who do you think would win in a fight? Marguerite Tyrell or Ramsay Snow? In a um, physical fight? Well, we can give her the crossbow. Let's say we give her the crossbow. If she has the but, crossbow, she'll definitely win. But he's a good archer too, remember. Does he get a crossbow? Never mind. I retract the question. Okay, question retracted. Because <laughs> yeah. I was going to be like, I'm not sure how to answer that because it feels like one of them's playing Risk and one of them's playing, like, paintball. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically, yes. I love the Tyrells in general. I mean, I've spoken before. I have just the biggest character crush on Lady Eliana. Because I just think she's awesome. She's epic. It was, it was great to see fans <laughs> gravitate so much toward her. Um, just online, I'm seeing from like comments from our listeners and throughout Twitter this year. You know, being a new character, it's it's hard to kind of judge where the thoughts are going to go with people that aren't necessarily exposed to the books. But she was awesome, and probably you know the the breath of fresh air during the whole season this year, where it was like, hey, that's an actual person that I feel like I, I, could, I could relate to because they're talking like a normal person that I would hear in real life now. Well, I think what you were saying before was interesting too, because 
you know, when when Tywin first appeared, people did actually gravitate towards him as a character because there was sort of a sense that he might bring a bit more sort of control to the situation in King's Landing. And his motivations are not entirely straightforward, but they they do have a, a base principle, which is this idea of family and honor. To him, he's sort of willing to do anything to protect the dynasty. Um, what I think is interesting is he sort of seems infallible until he has a, an adversary that is kind of on his level. And I think that's what she represents. I think, you know, they're similar ages of similar experiences. They've had to come at these um, political alliances from very different perspectives just because, you know, she's a woman. And that means that the way that she has to operate within the society is different, but they ultimately both understand the game and they have both survived in it for a long time. And they both have families that they're now, you know, the way that I always see them in my mind is that they're sat at a chessboard and the players and the pieces that they have to play with are their children and their allies. Like that's how I see them, you know, that they have them all themselves lined up. And they're on opposite sides of the board. I want to see this visual photoshopped. I think. <laughs> yeah. You know, that would yeah. be good. I'm just like the, the actors all. Promo like, photos for next season. Oh, God. Oh, you know, I should get Will Simpson to do that. Our storyboard artist. Because he does amazing stuff. I should That would him. be really great to see. Meister <laughs> Pysel as the bishop. <laughs> I, I think it's really great that, you know, in the first place, Tywin even gives her the amount of credit to consider her an equal. But it's just showing his intelligence on the matter that he shouldn't underestimate someone and in doing so it's giving him better footing in his yeah but also anybody who can kind of set Varys back on his slippered heels a little bit you know there's that one scene where he even looks unsure when he's talking to her so uh, she's definitely a player i'm sure it's interesting when you're um you know working in an ensemble production with so many people that are on social media interacting doing their own thing you know there's not only a series of controls in place but you see what people are doing with the roles like Maisie, for instance you know, walking around with Kit Harrington, you know, calling him her brother and all that other stuff. Like it's, and we saw recently, um, Carice <laughs> uh, Van Houten and, um, Liam Cunningham have an exchange on Twitter about the Red God. Oh God, that was hilarious. That was really yeah. <laughs> So they're fun on, that's just fun on social media and it helps us in the off seasons because it, it's just fun to see. And of course they're back, back at work. So I'm sure those creative juices are flowing. You know, and their affection for each other is that is that it's high. But this is when it's fun to really follow them on social media. Oh no, they're very like I saw that because I do like I do follow both of those the, the, both of those um, both of them both on, those people both of those people on Twitter. <laughs> I, I do follow both of them on Twitter, and I saw that, and I nearly wet myself because I was just. <laughs> so did Eric. Yeah, it's true. We actually, we, did. we have that in common. Um, yeah, yeah. Also, I wanted to ask. We were talking about the Tyrells. <laughs> Just a little while ago, the um, especially Lady Olena, there are some male Tyrells, although Olena is quick to dismiss them uh, early on in season three. I get the feeling we will actually be seeing more of her family uh, yeah. up and coming. So I'm looking forward to that again. I haven't read, you know, beyond where we're at uh, currently in, in, in book two and neither is Zach. But, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing more of her family because as an individual presence, she's so strong. But I do kind of want to see what more of her chess pieces are. 
to use your analogy. Oh, that's a big dirty. <laughs> um, I cannot officially uh, confirm or deny because I know there's always a lot of specu- speculation on on who will and will not be um, included in particular sort of set pieces. Oh. I know that they have officially announced Mace. So yes, I mean we will see um, Mace Terrell. That's not a surprise. We can't really do without him. Um, oh, uh, so he is—he is more important than Elena would have you believe. Not, uh, well, <laughs> Eric, think, you're leading the witness. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. You no, know, I will say I'm not going to speculate too much on it. And I'm not going to comment too much on it because a lot of this would be my own personal perception of the characters rather than necessarily okay. what the right, the actual real writers think about this sort of stuff. <laughs> right. But say, you know, I think when. Oleana talks about some of the characters the way that she did in season three. She's talking about how useful they are in terms of political allies. Mm. And so if she doesn't necessarily respect someone, she's not going to give them her attention. You know, if they're, if they're not on her level, I don't necessarily think that she's going to think of them particularly respectfully. <laughs> right. Okay. Her own blood. That's fair. Right. And right. So few people you know, are on her level. As we saw, yeah. so yeah. So I, you know, I I don't want to go all the way and say that I can say if he's important or not important because I think that's not for me to say. I will say he's there. <laughs> good, well, that's good. I just I wanted to ask mm-hmm. one question before we we move on to the the Twitter questions. Going back to the red wedding, because I felt also that you guys you really surprised the book readers in a way too, uh, with how you killed. Talisa, you know, in in the books, Talisa doesn't even go to the twins. You know, she well, first off, she doesn't exist. Um, she she exists under another name, and she's kind of sent away because it's felt it would be an insult uh, to Walder Frey for her to show up. But but really, I felt HBO kicked it up a notch there with the, with just the level of violence. Yeah, I mean, I I I, th- I think a lot of people f- felt that that was sort of more impactful than they were expecting. Um, I would say, I think it was an attempt to kind of finalize that, that element of the storyline to say, no, no, there is no secret air across the seas. You know, mm-hmm. she's, she's dead. The baby's dead. They're all just fucking dead. Yes. This is how you kill someone. Total devastation. That's what we're talking about. So, and it's also heartbreaking too, because I think it adds to the sense of loss for everybody. And, um, talking to Michelle about the way that she feels it sort of felt about the whole red wedding. There's this, she sort of describes it as feeling like before the, before the killing started, um, actually her words were so much better. I don't know why I'm trying to quote her. But basically she was, she, she was sort of saying, you know, before the, before it, the betrayal was revealed. She didn't really believe that it was all happiness, but she wanted to so badly that her denial took over. So there's this sort of, it is going to be okay. They're going to have a child and, you know, the phrase will join us and, you know, it won't be easy, but we'll survive this. And then when everything happens, she genuinely believes everyone is dead because as far as she's aware, Sansa's, at the mercy of the Lannisters and Arya's probably dead, you know, <laughs> she yeah. just, everyone's dead. And as far as, as far as she and Rob Stark know, 
Bran and Rickon are dead. They've been killed by Theon. So, you know, there's wow. an element where that was. I didn't bring down the mood. Yeah. Sorry, I brought down the mood. <sighs> so I, I lied about saying that was the last question I wanted to ask before we went on to the tweets, but I, I want <laughs> the season finale, uh, a lot of kind of mixed emotions about it, but you know, the last scene, uh, with Daenerys, it bringing down the mood, which I just did, you know, I feel like it ended on a much more Rise positive note. It did. It did. It ended on a much more positive note than I think the prior two seasons did. Yeah, I can see why you would say that. I mean, I think it was a season where it's funny, too, because like Daenerys's storyline, because it's slightly isolated, sometimes doesn't get talked about as much because it isn't folded in with the other elements of what's happening in Westeros. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is a season where you know, she's really becoming the ruler she wants to be. You know, she ma- she's making decisions and she's leading her, her army and she's making determinations entirely independently of what other people think. And so I think it is a much more positive ending because it's the progression of a leader that has a morality that people can get behind. You know, she's ruthless if you cross her, Hmm. but ultimately, you know, the things that she's fighting for are things that most people would agree with. You know, most people are like, yes, we shouldn't have slaves. That's bad. You know, So it's a victory. And I think it's a victory that, and it's a quite clean cut victory. And that's not something that most people have experienced in the last three seasons. There's been no straightforward, clean cut winners, even Blackwater, Mm-hmm. was not straightforward you know? right it was strange to see just you know she's it's such a positive moment she's being risen up on the shoulders of all of these people and i think that's what was so disconcerting about it for the rest of us you know when it did happen and now hearing you talk about it it's almost like it's full circle in my mind because it is i mean being so near to the red wedding it, it is so almost out of out of character how positive it is but it was a very positive thing and she you know she is claiming victory and is moving forward in her story and pivoting forward into season four on this note is interesting to me. I will say also, I think with any sort of epic series or anything to do with power and alliance and politics and these sorts of elements, um, the reality of this is you cannot have people rising unless somebody else is falling. It's just, there isn't enough power for everyone to be on top at the same time. Right. So, you know, inevitably, they, there have to be peaks and troughs and there has, you know, there, there are these power vacuums that are filled in unexpected ways, but that's true of life. I mean, I think what's interesting is that with the Westeros lot, it's, it's so much more complicated because they're all crossing over with Danny. There's no one else in Esos who we're sort of following. We're not following Krasnus versus Danny. We don't care about Krasnus because he's an evil dickhead, you know. So when yeah. he gets he's, he's, set on fire by a dragon, you're kind of like, well, that seems fair. Yeah, he's busy right now. <laughs> yeah, he's busy. <laughs> um, so, although that was a great performance. That's that's such an interesting point that you make, though, because you, it's almost like you're not invested in them as characters, where in Westeros you definitely are. Well, yeah, I mean, I think you're, the performances and the characters are well-rounded, so there are people you do care about. But you don't see things from their perspective and they're not 
a consistent storyline. So you're not necessarily building up as much investment as you, you can with Danny because you've seen everything that she's suffered to get to where she is and everything that she's overcome. And, you know, she has really gone from what is effectively an abused child to this incredibly powerful, strong leader. Um, and that's in three years. I mean, that's a huge, yeah. huge transition over it's, three seasons. It, it, it does <laughs> seem like the, uh, the Starks are in a little bit of a rut and they have been for, for three seasons. So I think the message I take into season four is just root for Danny. <laughs> she, she's clearly well, going places. I've been rooting for Danny for a long time now. You could root for Arya. You have to root for Arya, especially with her new traveling companion. You know, like that's set in yeah, stone. That's true. That's true. I would also be- say, you know, because I'm a huge Stark fan, can't help myself, you know. Um, and this is not going to be any spoilery type stuff to say if you've read the books. But it's like... Don't rule out the Stark kids. You know, they come from pretty hardy DNA, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> they, they, might, they might not be there yet, but I would say that there are there are elements that, that each one of them possesses in terms of characteristics that make them, if nothing else, survivors. And a lot of winning this game is staying alive. So mm-hmm. if you if all you're doing is kind of dodging the blade, sometimes that's enough. Like, sometimes that's the difference between waiting out one enemy or another. So like I keep saying, I just don't rule anyone. I never <laughs> would. I think that's <laughs> fair. I'm going to take that to heart. I have renewed hope for the Stark children. Got to have hope in the Stark children. Think about what Sansa, Arya and Bran think and Rickon. Think about what they have just avoided. Just think about all of the grown men and grown women who have died in this series so far in certain different ways. But think about what these kids have avoided. Yeah. Hodor for the Hodor throw the throne. Hodor. For the throne. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, I wish you could tell us things about that now because it's like, oh, they were just packing up and heading north. You know, yeah, season four and stuff. Okay, well, we we we've been obviously very interested. And there's about a million and a half. Point five thousand things we wanted to talk about, but we know that we can't because you know it's it's work time. You guys got your head down. You're making the next season, so we'll let our listeners be satisfied with what we have. But a lot of them send in their questions on Twitter, and a lot of their tweets were things that we know we couldn't ask, and they knew that and they sent it, and we love them for it. But we do have a selection here that no comment. <laughs> there were yeah, there tweets. were a few spoilers that uh, I definitely left out. I left it on Twitter because I didn't want uh, Eric or Zach to read it. I will say one thing just on season four, which I think is fun. And I don't think I'll get in trouble for saying because I just think it's fun. (laughs) Perfect. I have spent a lot of time in the stunt tent this season. Does this mean you're going to be on on screen next season? No, um, we just have a lot of. A lot of action sequences this year, and it's some the of the choreography time. of these things is just incredible. So I don't think anyone's going to be disappointed with the action elements at all. That's cool. <laughs> so we'll that's see. my non-spoiler spoiler. <laughs> so do any of those uh, – yeah, so here's the first question, and I'm going to transition just by saying, do any of those stunts take place in a red viper? Yes. Oh, jeez. But actually, no, the first, the first Twitter is from – Joe Cheeto two sixty Cheeto two sixty, who says, "Have you seen the Red Viper in action? How was it?" Wow, well, that could be interpreted a lot of different ways. Action or in like action? I have no idea who or what the Red Viper is, so you can you can answer any way you wish. Um, 
I have seen some action. I have not yet seen any action. Um, but uh, no, I'm Pedro's amazing. I've, um, talked to him a little bit. He's such a nice guy and I really can't wait to see how his stuff turns out because he seems to be really embracing his character. Hmm. (laughs) That actually um, answers Colty Harrison's question, who said, uh, what do you think of Pedro's performance so far? I like it. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. All right. Bruno Cesar uh, wants to know, says, last time you were on the show, uh, you talked about the letters uh, that were being written, I'm assuming by uh, Tywin. Will those be available for us to read? Oh, interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I am planning on posting some stuff on the blog about some of the other written documents, um, books and so on. Um, and we'll do some close up of the pages and obviously people can see the content there. The letters and scrolls. I don't know. I mean, we sure we could. I'd have to check, but, um, yeah, why not? Wouldn't that be like ruining the magic, though, if it just says, meet me at five guys after this? <laughs> well, no, this, is one, <laughs> this yeah. is one of the things that we do because with modern technology, you know, you can freeze frame and zoom in and do all this other stuff. Mm. It's really important to, I say us, I'm speaking. You have so, to, blanket yeah, yeah, like I'm just going to say It's very important to the show that every detail be as authentic as possible, be that the way that things are stitched together in costume to, you know, the the actual words on the pages, because it would be really terrible if you freeze framed on a letter that, you know, Tywin Lannister was writing and it was like milk, cheese, eggs. Milk, cheese, eggs. Green eggs, ham. I knew it. (laughs) Cat. (laughs) <laughs> we do, and and this was something Brian did to start with, and then I've sort of taken over a little bit, um, and that's what I one of the things I do now is every letter, every scroll, every book is accurate to the story. So if a letter is supposed to be Tywin writing instructions to Walder Frey, then that's what it is. It's mm. so yeah. I mean, we could certainly look at that. I mean, Brian, some of Brian's stuff is amazing, and. Some of mine is well spelt, so you know. <laughs> I love that you guys go to that trouble, though. That's good. Yeah, well, I mean, that's all. All the departments um, are just incredible in the amount of detail that they go into. Just amazing. I mean, um, I've um, done quite a few studio tours now for people, and one of the things I love to do is go into props and sort of say to people, "Okay, you know, whenever you see anything on the screen, and it could be a cup." It could be a water skin. It could be anything. There won't just be one choice. There'll be like five. And then the executive producers will say, or the director for the episode, depending, they'll say, no, no, you know, Tywin wouldn't have that kind of fishing rod. He has <laughs> that kind of fishing rod because he's rich and he will right. his father. Let's cut this say. scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'll cut it, but we'll, Hate you know, show us people at home Got it. <laughs> but that's but yeah, great. You know, I mean, that, that's the detail that we go into. So, um, yeah, I mean, we could certainly look at posting some of those scrolls. Bruno is making it happen. <laughs> I've got another tweet here for you. Let's just say this is from uh, Christian Del Rey on Twitter 18 hours ago, I believe, uh, at the time that this was copy and pasted. And Christian says, does anyone in the cast ever have nightmares about Joffrey? I mean, I do. Care to elaborate? <laughs> Um, if they do, they haven't fessed up to it. (laughs) Um, no, I've never heard anyone say that, but I will say, I think that's because we all know Jack. Like if you, if 
if you ever do come across Jack Gleason, please be nice to him because he gets so much shit for being Joffrey and he's the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> and we all say it and everyone's like, oh yeah, really, whatever. And it's like, no, no, he's so lovely. He's just a really genuinely nice guy and he's amazing at what he does. Um, but it, you know, it's harder to be afraid of somebody who can talk to you in depth about history and archaeology and that sort of stuff. Karina Garcia is very much concerned for you. Uh, they want to know, have there been threats against your lives because of the Red Wedding? And they note that they're prepared to call their banners for you, if so. Oh, that's awesome. It's always wow. nice to have, like, a backup crew. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think anyone's – I mean, there, there's definitely been some people who are like, would you do that? And you're and and it's difficult because you kind of want to go. Well, it wasn't really us; it was kind of George. But you don't want to be like <laughs> you don't want to blame George, right? Yeah. Um, but I think yeah. I mean, obviously, some people are upset because there were so many people who really wanted Rob to be successful. Rob. Yeah, Stark. You know, um, yeah. and so many people who you know love this Caitlin Stark character as well. So I think you know it's 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 difficult because I think people are upset by losing those characters, but they still love the fact that the drama continues to be as shocking as it is, because I think it's quite rare for a show to continually surprise people who are so invested in it. Cause you start to know the rhythms and you start to know the style of something of it when you're watching a show. So to still shock people, they might be a little bit mad, but I think they're probably still watching. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just saying in general, this, this, the job you guys have done adapting has been just leagues above any other creative group that's taken page to screen. And I think you have a lot of flexibility because you're doing it in an episodic format, obviously, that has the ability to show the attention to detail that is deserved for such a good piece. But you take something like the Potter franchise that had all of the resources in the world, be it as it may that they didn't have all the screen time in the world. You know, there, there are so many bars to compare yourselves to when you're adapting from page to screen. And just like Eric said, in general, Thrones has killed it time and time and again. You know, you can't please everyone, but as for the whole condensing all of that into a TV show, you guys have done just an outstanding job. Well, I will pass that on. <laughs> I, I mean, I, it's fairly right. evident. <laughs> I do think the, one of the major advantages that we have, and David and Dan and George um, have all spoken about this, which is this is not a series that could have ever been attempted in film form. It just couldn't have been done because the, the complications of the storyline and the importance of so many of those elements – um, to build up the tension and the alliances and the battles and the transitions and all of it, you could, you couldn't get any one of these books into a three hour movie. It, it just wouldn't be possible. And I think if you had tried to do it in a kind of hobbit format of, you know, three, three hour movies, you still wouldn't get the depth that we can get over 10 hours and however many series we end up doing. So I think that's an advantage. I think also, you know, David and Dan are so terrifyingly intelligent and so passionate about developing the story and writing it well and being true to the characters that with, along with Brian Cogman, they, they invest so much time in planning what they're going to do 
what storylines they're going to focus on. And they work really closely with George. This year, David and Dan and Brian all went down to um, George's house on the secret Skull Island where no one knows where it is. Ah. And (laughs) and, um, they sat down and they talked about, you know, what was going to be happening and things that were happening in the future and George's plans for upcoming books and literally had conversations like, what if we did something to this character so that they would know if that character was important and things that George has coming up, you know, they work as a team. There's an incredible amount of input from the original author, George. And, you know, I think that shows, you know, when, when you do have these storylines playing out because all the, all the baseline work is done, the planning is there. And then they just develop the scripts from that point. It it actually has a lot to do with what you said about the cup. You know, you were talking about the five different, options as far as props are are considered and i mean it goes to say that that level of detail is evident throughout the entire process i mean down the linens that are in certain shots you know down to what hodor's wearing you know it's 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 the the amount it's the resolution and all of it and i you see it in creative products you know how how far did these people go like how deep did they really really go outside of what was completely necessary just to make it happen but i think that you guys do a good job of stretching the budget because i mean as we can see especially after this last season the spike that happened during the red wedding i'm talking about a critical mass that was just for me just crazy to see like wow all these people care just because they killed imaginary people on an imaginary show so it it leaves me a lot to be excited for coming into this next season it's going to be interesting i hope everyone's excited to see what comes next i think yeah it would be terrible if it was like the Red Wedding and then everyone was like, well, nothing's good. <laughs> See you guys. Right, well, I have a question here from Twitter that is perfect then for what we're speaking about. And it's very serious. And it comes from a Mr. Jake Posner, who's Jake Pose on Twitter and says, yes, um, can I be on the show and when? Oh, so, my God. Yeah. <laughs> OK, so I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to answer this in a somewhat serious way. And I don't mean to sound like a total bitch when I do. Um, I get that out of the way. <laughs> yeah. I love that the fans are so passionate about it. And I completely understand how much people want to be involved in the process, because if they turned around to me and were like, do you want to be some kind of mouthy syphilis ridden whore? I'd be like, yes. Serve milk to people. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, syphilis ridden whore. Uh, I think we found the title of our episode, guys. <laughs> we should start a rock band together. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> title track, title track. Sing, but, you know, <laughs> um, you, you know I, I absolutely understand it, and I think it's amazing. And when you meet our extras and our background crew, they are fantastic. Um, and if anybody is, you know, in Northern Ireland and wants to be an extra and wants to stand in the rain for 12 hours, you know, I encourage you to do it. It's an amazing experience. You won't. Die of pneumonia, probably. <laughs> just, just so far. I have had a few people recently, and I'm not going to mention any names, and where people who are not actors or or actresses who have contacted me through various means, saying, "I love this show so much, and I would be perfect for this character." Cat, 
I'm sorry that I sent you those letters. I really didn't need <laughs> I was hoping we wouldn't bring this up. I didn't really need the full frontal shots. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> keep it to yourself, Micah. Yeah. Just no, it's it more, it's more that thing of, I will, I will always say to people, if you are passionate and want to become an actor or an actress, you should pursue that dream and you should do everything that you can. Be that starting out in like local productions or going to school or taking classes or whatever. And it's not because we don't appreciate the fact that people are passionate. It's about the fact that Mina Gold and Robert Stern, who are casting directors, are so fantastic. And they put so much effort into finding the right person for every single character, even if they only say five lines, that it's kind of they couldn't possibly be like, yeah, sure. Come on board. <laughs> I actually think that I'm going to go up against you for the syphilis-ridden horror next season. Well, if you have the cleavage for it, you should go for it. I mean, I see what they did with Christian's prosthetic, so I think we can figure it out. And I say it with a great deal of, of, of love for everybody who supports the show, which is if you, you know, if you want to come and do background and you happen to be... Uh, able to work legally in the the uh, <laughs> in the EU and you happen to be in Belfast then by all means sign up for extra we'd love to have you but otherwise i probably not your girl <laughs> i don't have anything to do with casting <laughs> we have um two quick uh two sort of quick questions this one is also from aka Cthulhu person i'm going to figure <laughs> out how to pronounce that for next time uh is she meaning cat i assume going this is very specific is Cat going to Titan Con while wearing a Brian Cogman mask? Wearing <laughs> a Brian Cogman mask. Okay, threaten that somehow. somehow. No. <laughs> um, uh, to explain to people who don't know what Titan Con is, because I know you guys do, but not everyone does. Titan Con is a local Belfast kind of convention, sort of star, sort of sci-fi fantasy convention, and they do dedicate one night to like Game of Thrones and some of our cast go and everything. And they're amazing. Like they really are passionate about the show and they do a co coach tour of the locations, the sort of where public access is available. I have promised to go drinking with them. Good. I don't the Brian mess. It's such a weird question. To ask. I will be there for the drinking. Um, I'm not sure about the mask. Well, we're talking about masks, masks though. There, the follow-up <laughs> question is, uh, which prop is she, again, meaning Kat, hoping to snag at the show's final wrap? Oh, my God. That's a good question. <laughs> the throne. Oh, besides the throne, right? You can't carry that. Do you know what? Yeah. I wouldn't take the throne. I know that sounds weird, but where would I put it? It's big. It's really Lies. big. <laughs> you're a realist. You're It goes in the den in front you of the You put TV. it on your front lawn. Yeah, everybody I would away. build. I would build a room around that. I don't throne. think any of my window ledges are big enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, okay. Honestly, I would at the moment because that's the other thing. Every season, something else is created that is so unbelievably stunning. You're like, oh my god, I would literally cut off my leg to own that. Um, I okay. I'm going to do this in, in sections because this is the only way I can do this. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of furniture. I'm going to go with the, the throne from the Eerie. This is a That's amazing. Catalog. Yeah, it is. Yeah. A that is a great throne, though. It's incredible. And they've actually, um, yeah, it's it's just, I love that so much. And it would be perfect. It would be perfect for, like, the most amazing garden seat ever. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would absolutely take something from the armory because all of the work that is produced 
by Tommy Dunn and uh, Boyd and all of the guys in the armory is so amazing. When you see it up close, the detailing and the work and the effort and the forging and the, you know, handles that are pre-molded and carved and inlaid with jewels and filigrees and all of these things. So definitely at least one of the swords, but I'd be torn as to which one. Probably ice. Yes. Because really, how could you not? Right. But some of the other ones are so spectacularly beautiful. Like, it would be a tough call. I'd basically take most of Armory if I had the chance. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, actually, one that I would die for, and I think if people saw it up close, they would see why, is there was, I think it was season two, and it was a handmade map of Westeros that was used to plot where Rob Stark's forces were going to go to next. And that was hand-painted by one of our artists, and it's incredible. Up close, it's absolutely amazing. It's all hand-printed and hand-painted on a sort of large scroll. It's probably about five feet long, I would guess. Wow. Michael Eaton's map, that's his Good. name, our artist, Michael Eaton, because he's incredible and his stuff is beautiful. He also actually, you know what I might go for? It's <laughs> the book of stories, because all of those fables of – you know, the very brand, the builder and yeah. uh, the ones that I, are used to help Davos learn to read. They are again, handmade and then bound in traditional styling with like leather and everything. And so, yeah, so maybe the book actually, maybe the book of fables, cause they are incredible. Again, Michael Eaton. So, so actually let this be a lesson to everybody else. We have to keep cat off of the set. You're taking swords, <laughs> you're taking books, you're taking maps, you're taking, there won't be anything left. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would be a nightmare cause I'd be like, and one of those, and one of those. And then actually, you know, this is going to sound like a really strange thing, but I would also probably get something from, um, costume because the embroidery work on the costumes is incredible and the um costume armor is all handmade by our 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 italian artisans and it's all hand cut and just each one of the leaves on the gold cloaks uniforms is hand cut and hand stitched onto leather jerkins and when you see that work up close it's pretty spectacular and you could wear it to titan con i could totally wear it to titan con (laughs) nobody would notice very understated. <laughs> I think we have just one more Twitter question here uh, from Andriana Castle. What kind of chair would Cat drag to sit closer to Tywin at the small council? <laughs> uh, what kind of chair would I drag closer to sit with? If you could have any chair. Any just, chair. Just one, though. Hilariously, we were one short on stand-ins today, on that day. So actually, during the rehearsals before we brought in the main cast, I was Cersei. For the staff, <laughs> dragging the chair around, and let me tell you, she is so elegant and graceful that I think my pacing was terrifying for the camera team because I am not elegant or graceful. <laughs> They're like, "This so, is what it's going to be like." <laughs> yeah, this is going to be it exactly. And then, of course, Lena comes in and very different. Um, but uh, ha, ha, any chair in the world, I would probably go for. This is a big question. This is so crazy. Um, I don't know, a 1930s stickly. Yeah, why not? A ni- 1930s stickly armchair. That's what I would go for. Cat clearly knows her chair lore. There you go. That's my chair of choice. <laughs> I would have gone with like a bean bag or something like. That's that. a good answer, I think. <laughs> There's a question that we were wondering to ask you. And this is apart from Twitter, and this unfortunately means that we're nearing the, uh, I don't want to say twilight, 
but it's somewhere in there. And I wanted to know, because we haven't spoken to you since before it ended, but I think that we would all like to know, even though it's after the fact, the listeners and us ourselves, what your own, your definitive own of season three, your own of that season. I have one really silly one and then one that is actually probably a really good own. And then obviously like a definitive own the silly one, which still makes me laugh. And it's so stupid, (laughs) but I love it so much. And I think it's down to the way that, that these two actually did this when the brotherhood without banners have caught the hound and they're loading him onto the truck. And then Angai smacks his head against the beam and goes, Oh, mind your head. (laughs) (laughs) Ridiculous. It's so stupid, but I love it so much. And it was just the kind of gleefulness that that it was done with. I love that. And that's a really small own. Um, The more serious sort of person-to-person own, probably when in episode 10, Tywin basically sends Joffrey to bed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I think that's a a pretty spectacular own, given that, moments before Joffrey's threatening to serve her serve Sansa's brother's head at his at, I think I think there is a power to him that comes across pretty clearly there I mean it does it says a lot that you just told the king to go to bed yeah the king I'm gonna go with my two I'm gonna go with silly and I'm gonna go with serious I'm gonna go and guy smacking the hound's head against the cart because slapstick is Sometimes hilarious. Right. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Tywin sending Joffrey to bed. Those are two good owns, though, I think. I think those are solid. Yeah, you know somewhere someone's listening to this going, are you kidding me? See, owns are, owns are personal. This is what makes, you know, kind of why we collect them from each of us every week. We don't we don't then sit down and decide which one was the own. We just all give our own thoughts. So that was all we asked. Thank you for participating. So those were Kat's owns for season three, which is exciting because she had something to do with it. So hopefully next year we'll be like, hey, Kat, tell us about season four since we spoke about it last year. And she would be like, great, I can talk in detail about it. These are actually the coolest moments. And that's what we've been doing with you guys. And that's what we continue to do. And right now we are obviously talking to Kat about so many things. But, um, you know, apart from this episode, we're doing all of the... Oh, did someone just link me a Sticky's armchair? Hold on one second. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna go off my spiel and look at this. I'm oh, up on this chair. Very nice. Yeah, look at this chair. Is that is that it, Cat? Is that? I'm looking. I'm looking. It's loading up. I have like uh, the that same. is a great chair. No, that's not see. the right one, that's guys. Not the, that's not the we'll right deal one. Deal with it. It's, it's still it. cool. You it's cool, nice but it's not it. Cushion in it. Mm. It's well, anyway, 2012 on it. So be like her and be like us. Tell us your owns, not only from the chapters that we're reading ahead with our two remaining days in the week, but maybe if you want to revisit this episode or even season three, things are there. Or if you want to talk about this chair with us, Kat <laughs> has linked me to the actual chair. Yeah. I'm pulling it open now. Yeah, no, that's pretty. Yeah. No, that, that looks comfortable. Yeah, I'd sit in that. See? Gustav. The first one's good with the curve, but I like the square. Yeah. Gustav Stickley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> well, if you're at home sitting in a Gustav Stickley chair, or you'd like to be, please tell us on Twitter. It's uh, twitter.com slash gamephones. You guys understand what that is. And um, I'm going to keep talking until I run out of breath and Eric begins to take over for me and to say even more fancier things. Eric? We do accept email submissions as well for both owns, comments, questions. Our email address is contact at gameofowns.com. There's also Facebook, facebook.com slash gameofowns. Uh, as well as iTunes, where you can leave us some feedback on the show, a nice little rate and review. 
it is the month of August, so nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Uh, I know that the last time Kat was on the show, she did threaten our listeners, which undoubtedly resulted in many of these five-star reviews, which are on iTunes right now. But I don't know. It's really up to her if she wants to make any more threats, right? Well, I think Kat's threat from last time really stands on its own. But it Sounds good to me. Otherwise, I think I could be getting into some pretty dangerous territory by trying to one-up myself. <laughs> no, and it's true. Save it. Save your strength. You've got season four to work on, okay? We'll, ha- we'll handle this front, and we'll see what happens. All right. Sounds good to me. So, Kat, how can we find you and everything that you are writing? Oh, goodness me. Yes. Things I write. Um, well... Obviously, Twitter, everyone, please do follow Cat on Set. I'm going to be tweeting more and hopefully some pictures are going to be coming out. And we have a lot of great stuff, um, which HBO is getting ready to post on the making of Game of Thrones blog. You can find us direct or you can click through the banners on the HBO Game of Thrones website. Please also follow the official HBO at Game of Thrones for all your updates and news. And uh, generally, we always welcome feedback and love to hear from the guys and girls who watch the show. So tweet away, my friends. I will always answer you if I possibly can. You should – you know, there's this other guy who's supposed to have a book coming out soon um, or in the foreseeable future. You guys you guys might want to uh, join your forces together and, and maybe release around the same time. I think that would go well. I, I Hey, I'm I'm up for it. I, I think there needs to be some sort of writers on a deadline support group because <laughs> <laughs> having just delivered um, quite a large portion of the manuscript and a whole lot of art and sort of concept work and things that are going with it. Um, I came back to my apartment, opened my door, realized I had like two weeks worth of laundry. There's no food in the closet. <laughs> in the cupboard. Like, <laughs> Wait, are you living my life? I think so. I've basically been drinking mainlining caffeine basically and then coming up with creative food-based solutions like ritz crackers and (laughs) tim peaches (laughs) cat thanks so much for coming on the show again it's really great to have you on and we look forward to uh to having you on again sometime soon maybe as we get closer to uh season four i would love that you know i'm always more than happy to talk to you guys if i can possibly possibly make it work (laughs) cat you owe me an irish beer it's true true, i would like it I will drink it. <laughs> I'm Zach Louie. Goodbye, sayonara. Eric? I'm Eric Schultz. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> and I'm Mike Tenenbaum. Uh, and I'm Kat Taylor. Taylor.